Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. On the path, which is the name for our personal witchcraft practices, we have spent a great deal of time discussing what we believe and why. These conversations led to the writing of a book full of information about our tradition. We call these beliefs metaphysical kernels of thought because they are the start of much, much bigger ideas. We thought we would share some of these with you. So, today's metaphysical kernel of thought is imminent and transcendent divine. Those of us who walk the path work diligently to connect to what we term our personal internal spark of the divine, what we consider imminent divine. We believe that each of us has that spark and it manifests as that quiet voice inside of our souls, which calls out to find our own individual spiritual paths. You can call it your personality, your moral compass, or your soul, or maybe a combination of all three of these things. It is what makes each of us unique. That small, quiet, internal voice is our own best guide to what our spiritual practice is and might grow to become. Learning to listen to that voice consistently is one of the reasons we regularly practice ritual and magic. The shift from the mundane to the magical can strengthen that internal spark, turning it into a beacon, which calls out to the external divine asking for connection. We are made of the same stuff as the stars, contain the same elements, have cells that contain mitochondria that create and burn energy so that we continue to live and grow, as does the universe itself. There are infinite paths to connection with this transcendent or external divine, which explains why each of us experiences and expresses our spirituality in individual ways. Some use an organized religion because they have enough similarities with what they need that works for them. Others are agnostic or atheist, and others like us practice witchcraft. Our practice is both our religion and our spirituality. What we believe through our own cosmology has become a religious practice that enhances our spirituality. However, our practice does not need a holy book like many of the mainstream religions of the world. We do not claim to have the one true way or even any of the answers to the questions that have plagued humanity throughout our existence, such as who is my authentic self? What is the meaning of life? Is there a supreme being or what happens after death? Whatever the external spark of the divine may be is beyond our human comprehension. Our physicality limits our experience to our own subjective ones and an experience of time is linear. We may create through mundane and magical means on a limited basis, but we believe that the external divine is the source of creation for the entire universe, and it is constantly growing and changing. After all, we exist within an expanding universe, so why shouldn't this divine continue to grow as well? Before we delve into our discussion of what we think about imminent and transcendent divine, um, you will notice we have a different voice now. Dave has kindly agreed to take Sue's position as a fellow podcaster, 
Ansu is with us in spirit, and you will have noticed that Dave identifies himself as a modern sage, as opposed to using the word crone. And I thought it would be beneficial to our listeners to kind of hear your thought processes and so on about that. So you want to go ahead and talk about that for a minute? Sure. And and thanks for inviting me to, to become part of this thing. It's uh it's really special to have some of the, the work that Susie and I did um, come to fruit. So uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Um, when you asked me to become part of the Crohn's podcast, my, my first thought was I know in the path and in our references and whatnot, there's always a, a real gender neutrality to everything. But within the relationship that I had as husband and wife with Susan, there's something very special about the word crown to me that I can't necessarily see myself being for other people. So I took that word crown and I began to do a little bit of research, sort of trying to reverse engineer the way you and Susie described that imminent spark that we're going to talk about. And I started out with a simple Google search of what is the, the masculine version of maiden mother crone and i found out that that's actually quite a debate there are a bunch of different references um some people use youth father sage um some people use stag father sage or youth warrior sage but i saw this common sage and i looked at myself and i thought for my life's experiences i spent several years as a christian I spent several years as a Buddhist. I spent several years as a Taoist. I spent several years now and actually decades as a pagan in one form or another. And primarily recently, I'm coming from a shaman point of view. And so there again, the word sage just makes sense. And it did immediately instill that internal spark that connects me to divine. Um, so long story short my translation of what i see in you and what i saw in susie as crones i'm going to call sage i like it i find it interesting because sue and i never really resonated with that whole idea of triple goddess that is very wicked and so on the whole maiden mother crone thing sue was a mature woman at one point but she was not a mother and I haven't been a mother per se. I mean, biologically, yes, I am a mother because I have children, but I haven't been a mother for quite some time. I'm a rabid grandmother simply because I'm responsible for way too many grandchildren most of the time at the moment, but that's neither here nor there. But I like the idea of life. And for the record, they're all wonderful children. Well, thank you. I enjoy them most of the time. Most no, notice I say most because they're all except one is a teenager or almost beyond teenager at this point. So the hormone storms that regularly rage through this house are an interesting combination some days. But we'll let that fly. On this end, I am content with Susie's cat and a quiet house for right now. <laughs> but the, the idea that it's all about experience. What do you know? What can you share and teach somebody else about? And yes, you and I are slightly older than the average 20-something. <laughs> but 
I have met some 20 somethings who are experts in things that I know nothing about. So to me, they are crones. But it all comes down, like you said, to that individual spark kind of thing, what floats your boat. And to us, that's that true internal spark of the divine that we all have. And when we start listening to that internal voice, it tends to set you on some sort of spiritual path. I think sure. that it's most basic. That's its job. That spark is to make you question and try and figure out where your place is in the universe. And because we have that spark, we long for the connection with what we call the external divine, which we kind of define as the creative force of the universe, for lack of a better terminology, because we can't know what the external divine is. No, 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 we're not supposed to. No, we're not. But we can still long for that connection. And the stronger we make that spark, the more we want to connect and it kind of drives or energizes well, maybe our spiritual practice. And I think biologically we're kind of wired, you know, the the pattern matching and some of the, you know, the inquisitiveness and whatnot that we have evolved and adapted to have, you know, of course there's going to be curiosity about anything that's outside. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a physics geek and anything for me that's outside of that, right now they're calling it 14.7 billion light years there's stuff outside of that we just can't see that far yet and so for me that stuff outside of that is the transcendent divine that while we will always have that that drive to seek more and more knowledge of it's not there to be known I would agree with it's that. there to help me identify that i have a matching and exactly the same thing spark that's within me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm fortunate enough to work in a metaphysical store right now. So I have a whole group of coworkers that I've been able to look at and learn and see each of their imminent spark. You know, I can, I can describe why each of them is in the role that they're in and it's to feed or satisfy that spark's need for connection with both other sparks and with the transcendent. I would agree with that completely. And that's and I like you putting it like that because in the writing, we talk about the fact that there are billions of people who are going to experience whatever they experience spiritually differently because of their own individual spark. It's what makes us unique. Sure. And yes, some people, as I said, they use an organized religion because there's enough similarities in what they think about the divine or how they choose to feed their spark, that it becomes a group and it becomes an organized religion with certain ways of practicing and doing and so on. And that's fine. And then there are others who could care less about the spark and we usually call usually call those people agnostics or atheists there are people who work actively for whatever reason to deny that spark and i think those are the sad people of the world but that's neither here nor there but the idea that as witches we get to pick and choose what we do to feed that spark and change and adapt it as we grow i think is one of the best parts of being a witch i really do well, 
being spiritual in general, I would say, because as we're we're talking about earlier, you know, the imminent or that internal inherent intrinsic spark that I have that I believe lives down at the subcellular level. Mm -hmm. And then there's that outer transcendent that I believe is outside or beyond the the ability of us to be able to observe. Mm -hmm. But that entire layer in between that we call the universe that's where everything mundane and everything magical live for me because everything mundane is right down to the cells of the desk that i'm sitting at and everything magical for me is the ability to put my hands on these cells and sort of commune with the tree that this board came from and sort of understand that we are all in this system to be part of this system so I love living in the layer between imminent and transcendent, but it's really helpful for, for me to be aware that that is where I'm living in that layer. You know, it's it's interesting when you had first asked me to join one of the sort of old person, old Dave voices in my head um, spoke up about some of the readings that I've been doing. And so. I've had this mundane thought of, does this mean you're going to have to change your spirituality to fit that, that the path offers? And my magical voice basically popped up and said, well, I hope so. You know, I, I hope that becoming part of another, like you say, group, you know, whether it's a church congregation or this is a new experience for me sitting here with you. Boy, I hope a year or 10 years from now, I can say that my connection between the imminent and the transcendent has grown to be a better and, and more fulfilling connection or I've wasted a bunch of time and I, I don't feel like that's why we're here. No, I don't. And I like how you describe the path because that's really what it is. I mean, we call it the path because it's the way we do things. You know, we have a certain rich, I don't want to say formula, but ways we practice ritual. Every loosely formed group does, I think. You know, or you look at the, the, the Sabbaths and cross quarters in different ways or the faces of the moon or whatever that you acknowledge and work with. And I think we, we've changed and adapted how we look at those over the years too, because we've changed and grown. Sure. Path is a constantly evolving thing. It isn't like carved in stone somewhere. I mean, we have a book, The Tradition of the Path, and it's where we are right now. Come back in 10 years and there be, may be an entirely different name that we call it. It may be parts of what was in the original still holds true and it may be entirely different i mean sue and i had a great saying everything we know is subject to revision absolutely every day every, every breath yeah because as you you change and you know it's it, it's interesting what i was just thinking about when you were when you're describing that is you know back to relating the path to what people are used to getting fulfilled from an organized religion or a, uh, a congregation or a society or a club or, or what have you yes. being in the, the service for uh, a decade and the time that I spend in the Navy. One of the things you learned is going from duty station to duty station or ship to ship, you would sort of learn the local 
dance and the local song and the local customs. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it goes right back to when in Rome. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I am going to change what my imminent spark is. Mm-hmm. But my imminent spark is going to grow whether I want want it to or not. So it's a matter of me consciously choosing for the, that growth to be healthy and, exactly. uh, and be able to share that growth with other people. I think so. I think that's a big, I think it's one of the main reasons we started doing this podcast is we wanted other people to kind of get an idea of how some witches practice just us. And you can agree with us. You can, you know, violently argue about you're crazy you know, or take what we say and think about it and say, hmm, I kind of agree with this piece and this piece, but not this piece. So I'm going to take these two pieces and throw the other one to the curb. You know, I think there's enough room within the witchcraft community, I think, as we get a bit more open about what we do. that And there's a modicum more acceptance than there used to be, though there's still, still some violent reactions here in this country to the idea of paganism and witchcraft as being a viable religion. But at least the military now lets you be buried well, and, on your tombstone, and they're kind of a big part of the society. Yeah, and, and while you mentioned that point, it, it's good for me to have or to, to take a minute to have you remind me, because I don't work in the regular world. I literally work in a metaphysical store. So it's psychics and healers and crystals and herbs. Oh, my. Yes. So the view of the people that I get is a very, very, very positive, open, accepting, frank, honest, caring, compassionate segment of the population. Mm -hmm. I don't deal too much with the witch hunters, as I call them. Um, So, yeah, you'll you'll have to kind of check me when uh, I sound like I'm coming from the point of view of living in the world of cotton candy, because I sort of do from a metaphysical point. It's just perfectly the place for me to be in my life today. It's wonderful. I, however, okay, if you want to get technical, am stuck with remembering a lot of times about Catholic theology, and I'm not Catholic because my grandchildren are attending Catholic schools because they're getting a better education, you know, and they are very careful about, they don't talk about Grandma the Witch, kind of, in theology class. Boy, and I I had not considered that... The choice to go to a secular school wasn't a spiritual choice. It was, I want the best for my grandchild, so it's the best education. Mm-hmm. How how interesting that your educational choices have sort of compelled you to have some focus on Catholicism that you really don't necessarily need to have. No, I don't. And, and like you, I've had different religious experiences in my life. I was raised loosely Christian by my mother. My dad was not a church person, but he was Anglican as a child. You okay. know, Henry, Henry VIII's version of Catholicism <laughs> after the whole divorce thing that he didn't like because the church wouldn't accept it, you know, in church and have. And my second husband was Muslim. So I know how to make salat and wear hijab and if I think about it long enough, certain Arabic phrases will resonate in my head when I'm in the corner stores around here kind of thing. But sure, sure. Yep. But in so I have very different 
I think we each come from interesting theological backgrounds. How's that? And 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 both on a somewhat meandering path, which is which is neat that we find ourselves together now, having almost identical thoughts or definitions about our imminent spark. You know that that little tiny thing at the subatomic level that that's me, and then the you know the the transcendent where everything outside of you know I. I love that right now dark energy is the new dark matter and dark energy are like the new buzzwords in physics and it's all new and it's all exciting, but I sort of chuckled because it's just another X from an algebraic point of view. This thing that they're called dark calling dark matter is simply a placeholder variable that makes all of the rest of the equations that they are pretty sure about. Maybe. makes sense today then i believe that the place where i work that has crystals and prayer things and mala beads and all of these different spiritual items you know i think there's really a connection there you know i essentially if you distill my job down because we do have some christians and we do have some atheists and we have all kinds of a range of people but I distill my job down to I work at a place where I help people find items that help them connect their imminent spark to that universal transcendent spark. Mm -hmm. Some people use incense. Some people use crystals. Some people go to a fancy building on Sundays and dance to special music and have colorful windows. Mm -hmm. But every single one of those things whether it's a prayer candle or a sage wand or some mala beads they are simply devices that help us connect imminent to transcendent i think so. so it's really a cool place to work i think i think when you describe it it's like a bridge in that sense it allows you to shut off that conscience monkey mind if you want to take it to the buddhist reference that tells you that you shouldn't and that it can't possibly exist and, you know, do what you need to do to fit in and don't make waves and all of those other messages the society constantly tries to make. I mean, pagans have kind of always been on the fringe and the world doesn't do well sometimes with the fringe. But we are a large enough number, I think, nowadays, whether, you know, you acknowledge it publicly out there in the middle of traffic that I'm a witch kind of thing. <laughs> or if you're quietly practicing in your bedroom with the door closed because you don't want your kids to know what you're doing kind of thing. Um, there's enough but, of us oh, out there. Start making that connection, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And and every time I turn around, there's always a different connection. It's like you were talking about physics, and all I could think of is string theory and the web of weird when you were talking about right, connecting right. with the tree. I mean, I know they have discounted string theory in theory, as a theory, yeah, pretty much, yeah. But look at the web of weird that has been around, where fate kind of interconnects everything—the fabric of time, yep, fabric of time and space—and it's just another way of looking at. It. And you were talking about dark matter, and all I could think of is the Greeks called it ether. Absolutely, absolutely. It's you know, and 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 people can say that. Well, that's that's old information or whatever. But let's be honest. Less than two hundred years ago, we were using bowls with leeches, and we didn't know how gravity worked either. You right. know, 
And, yep. and I think one of the things that makes spirituality so much more important today is we have so much of the other mundane information. Sure. If that makes sense. And there has to be a, not a rebound, but a balancing for people. Well, as and, and that balance that you and I talk about is the same that you and Sue, I heard talk about for a decade. Mm-hmm. You know, that pendulum, yeah. that pendulum swinging back and forth. Exactly. So it just occurred to me while we were having that conversation that I want to modify my answer for earlier. Okay. Um, I call myself a sage because that is a short word for a string of conundrums because I am a spiritualist, physicist, philosopher. I like that. So I'm just going to call it sage. I like it. I live pretty much on what you described as a bridge between my imminent spark of divine Mm -hmm. and the transcendent spark of divine. And I'm fortunate enough in this place in my life where in this podcast and in my day job and in some of my web development work, everything that I do is about helping people navigate that bridge between the two. And I like it because one of the the things we have is we talk about we don't always have the answers to who we are and why we're here and what happens after we die and what's the the nature of the divine. And some of those are unanswerable. But I think it sounds like your spark has been pushing you because I've known you quite a while to find your purpose. And it sounds like you're finding it. And you've expressed recently how you feel like you're in the flow and you're happier and you're just kind of going with it. And I'm just sitting here going, yeah. Well, right right here today, yeah. I, I do know who I am and I do know why I'm here. And that's a blessing today. I'll just leave it at that. Sure it is. I mean, I have days where I'm in that same situation where things just line up the right way and I am comfortable with, and part of it is being comfortable with who we are too. My day yesterday felt like an action movie where they show a slow motion of some maniac stunt person on a motorcycle weaving through traffic at 140 Mm -hmm. and the vehicles just sort of parting with the perfect time. I literally danced my way through my day yesterday and I have to say that part of the reason I was doing that is because I knew I was going to be part of this podcast. So that's exciting. Um, this this has been a very natural conversation between you and I because we've known each other for years. But this has been my first experience being able to participate with something, you know, as directly as this uh, for two young crones and uh, the Crones Cafe. Yeah, it's fun. And like I said, the, the whole idea too is. When you think about what we're made of, we're made of the same stuff as the universe. We have mitochondria that generates energy. We have cells. We have, you know, bits and pieces that, and we're made of the same elements as what's out there. We are made of star stuff, which just tickles me to death when I think in those terms. So that if we're part of that creative, whatever it is in the universe, just by what we're made of, it's another connection. And you talk about dancing in between and being on the bridge. We call that the hedge because it's that boundary between the mundane and the magical. And when you're in between like that, you can draw from both to be a person and to feed that spark. 
I understand what you're describing. And I guess for me, the only, the only difference with that is while I'm standing on the bridge, I see the bridge as being both the mundane and the magical as a bridge between imminent and transcendent. The difference for me is while I'm standing on my ethereal bridge, mundane are those things that I can pick up and touch and affect around me. Mm-hmm. Magical are those things that only my imminent spark can have an impact or effect on. My hand can pick up my coffee cup. It can't heal your pain. No. But my spark can't pick up a coffee cup, but I can send so much energy to your spark. So I kind of see both magical and mundane there as part of the bridge. Maybe because people naturally think of a hedge as a barrier. or a as, as opposed to a connector. That's exactly what I was, what I was doing. We've come to recognize that a hedge is not a solid boundary. It grows, it changes. There's holes in there where everything flows back and forth. It's well, more, and it has depth. Yes. It's, it, it's more of a delineation. If you're walking the hedge or riding the hedge, as we call it. So we're on top of that hedge, in essence. So that okay. like you, we can draw from the mundane and the magical. And as you said, your, your, your internal spark can use stuff on the magical and the act of magic and spell work is we reach into that magical with our spark and manifest change on the mundane so that we are pulling back and forth and moving things around and that hedge is just that moment where okay we're it's coming from the magical to the mundane or it's going from the mundane to the magical and that hedge is that moment of recognition and that has helped me understand because you were you were right i had seen like an implied barrier there and i had always had a bit of a conflict between we have a barrier but a path but but now the way yeah. you describe the model makes more sense to me oh good i'm glad you know and, and because it's, it comes out in traditional craft they talk about riding the hedge and the hedge and you know finding the hedge and it's so important and if you and if you take it back to the old days a hedge was a barrier it was it marked the safety of the village with all the, the normal sure to those who were different who chose to live outside of that barrier Sure, absolutely. And at the edge of the village, we all had a cottage. <laughs> yeah, 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 but you see where I'm going. Oh, absolutely. Oh, so I'm, and, and then I'm like, okay, what's different about a hedge, though? It's, yeah, it's a boundary. It's a marker of a place. And I think that the worlds of the magical and the mundane do come together. And the hedge kind of, it, it doesn't keep them separate because it flows back and forth, but it makes you conscious that there's a difference and the focus is different. I mean, there are times oh, when I, have I really, like that. Sure. I have to really be focused on the mundane, especially if I'm driving. You know what I'm saying? There are right. times when I have to, to turn on that more mundane focus. And other times, like when I'm in ritual or I am having a conversation with you. I'm when more I, when magical, I pick up a guitar. Yeah. Yeah. You're more on the magical side. Sure. And, and time is different and space is different and the physics is different for want of a better word. Absolutely. Okay. And you have to be aware of both. And that's where Sue and I used to focus more than anything else on the concept of balance is because yes, you need both, but you also don't want to get stuck. 
So I'm walking down the path with my left foot in the magical and my right foot in the mundane. Or the other way around. It doesn't matter which. And I am carrying my imminent spark on a path towards transcendent. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, we've gotten, you never realize sometimes how philosophical Sue and I were getting over there in the corner. <laughs> well, yeah. usually when you guys got that far down the rabbit hole, I went and found something to engineer on. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> He's like, they're at it again. I'm just going to leave them to it. Yeah. And it's it's nice to have the opportunity to share how we think with others. Sure. You know. Well, and that's that's another thing. I mean, over the course of the next few years, I have to also recognize that the path itself will evolve as a result of my imminent spark being connected to it. Exactly. That's the whole point. That's that will be in book seven. Probably. <laughs> you know me, and I'm, yes, we constantly have. You will find if you hang out with us long enough in the cafe that there's always some sort of book or project or whatever going on. And I will bitterly complain about the cosmic two by four clobbering me in the back of the head again with another idea. <laughs> I'm aware of that reference from knowing you in 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 the real world. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I do have to comment that I'm going to have to go on to the Teespring store and see if I can order a larger size mug for my Crohn's Crappe visits because I'm out of coffee. Oh, dear. I'm sorry. And I am, too. And it looks like to me about that time we probably want to wrap this up. But if you take nothing else away, know that. You have that imminent spark and how you think of it and how you choose to nurture it is your own path. And that you are supported by that longing to connect with something else. It is a driving force for spirituality, I think, more than anything else. And for me, uh, I would say that I hope that you can find comfort and security in the understanding that you own your own imminent spark mm-hmm. but the entire universe is owned by the transcendent so there is transcendent transcendent spirit or universal energy or chi or is or whatever it is that you want to call it that is there to both support and protect you i would agree with that completely so have an awesome week and uh we'll catch you on the flip side as they say all right i'm off for coffee love and light exactly so mode it be (laughs) witch stones are a divination tool we created as part of our practice that deals with what we call concrete stones specific types and times of energy and conceptual stones Things and Ideas About Witchcraft, which can be read with either a seen or an unseen meaning. Recently, we have developed a set of oracle cards using this information. We would like to introduce you to one of these stones right now. In today's Witch Stone Spotlight, we'll be looking at the stone for Candlemas. Concrete stones focus on a specific physical energy rather than a concept. And the last four concrete stones link the four cross-quarter times together, which are used in the practice of the craft. On the path, we work with them as a seasonal time of year that runs from cross-quarter day 
to cross-quarter day and are associated with a stronger awareness of one of the four physical elements. The first cross-quarter time is Candlemas, beginning in early February, which displays a pictograph of a single white lit candle surrounded by a gray border. Candlemas is the time when the element of fire is most prominent. The light energy is growing, the time when the first spark moves and ignites a flame. On the path, we focus on the internal spark of the divine and look for it in the, as a source of our personal practice. Candlemas's magical associations include inspiration and creativity, hope and nourishing dreams, and awakening and awareness. Inspiration is about that moment when you suddenly have an idea or you feel the need to do something different or need to enhance your life or personal practice. And creativity can be the vehicle to express your hopes, dreams, or awakening awareness. The scene energy for the Candlemas Stone in a reading is time of beginnings, renewal, and messages. The time of beginnings may relate to starting to plan for a new project or to step out into a different area of your spiritual practice. Renewal may be making a new commitment to your spiritual practice. Many choose to rededicate themselves at this time of year. Messages may come to you from unexpected sources and you may need to take the time to listen carefully. The unseen energy for the Candlemas Stone in a reading is time of beginnings, need to start, and inattention. A time of beginning can be a subtle and gradual, or it can be unexpected. The need to start may be a feeling of startling inspiration or creative energy that pushes at you. Inattention may mean you need to focus on something that you have been ignoring down to the smallest detail to see where it leads. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. Today's witchy hint is all about repetition in ritual. Most rituals have three sections, an opening, a working, and a closing. Together, they allow a witch to move from the mundane to the magical and back again. The opening allows your brain to recognize that something is going to happen and move into the magical. The working is being immersed in the magical itself. And the closing signals your brain to come back to the mundane with the transformation you began during the working. Most people use the same openings and closings, and while it is good to make changes to what you say and do as your beliefs glow and change, the working is the part that is often different from ritual to ritual. This is the place to get creative and take risks. The main reason we tend to use the same openings and closings is that this repetition allows your brain to make the transitions from the mundane to the magical and back again to flow more smoothly. For example, 
If you perform a self-blessing at the start of ritual every time, this repetition in essence reminds your brain about what you did before. Another reason for repetition in ritual is that you can memorize the words for the opening and closing sections, not having to quote unquote focus so much on what you are going to say allows you to more fully experience these transitions and the ritual itself. You can think about why you do what you do more than focusing on the what and the how. I can hear some of you saying, but I thought we needed to always come up with something new all the time to keep our practice growing. Of course you do, but the working portion is always going to be different in some way. And this is the place to let that creativity shine. Having repetition in ritual is what traditions are made of. And remember, you also get to pick what you want your opening and closings to be as well. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two young crones. You can also find us on social media such as Facebook and Twitter. Until then, then, remember, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedgewalkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. We are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So, so it be. be.